Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Al talked last week about the offices and the gifts that the Lord gives to us. And so we're talking about the gifts from the Holy Spirit and uh, looking at chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. And uh, this week we'll continue to build. As we go through the series, these messages will continue to build on top of the previous messages. So you can go back online. We have podcasts. We have archive videos. Go to the website. It's there. And uh, that's the reason we do, we do all, this thing, all these things so that you can go back and stay connected. And you may want to listen to, if you've heard a message, you may want to go back and listen to it again. Uh, maybe the Lord will show you some other things. So remain engaged through the, uh, the resources that are available to you as we continue to knit all of these things together. I want to kind of back up a little bit to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 and 31. And uh, I, I think Al talked about this verse last week. All of you together is Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And I know sometimes we read these scriptures, but do we really take these things to heart that we are all a part of the body? And each one of us has a part to play, and each one of us is important to the overall whole of what the Lord is doing. And so, like we've talked about before, when you're not here, part of our body is missing. And uh, not only are you missing... For us, but we're missing for you. And so it's important that we understand that we are uh, collectively part of the body of Christ and then life fellowship is part of the larger body of Christ. And we know that Christ is the head of his body, the church. And our core scripture, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, again says that these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. 2,000 years ago when the church began, and, it's, and they're applicable today, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, for equipping the saints so that we come into unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, so that we become mature. And so when we talk about apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, those are really offices. Uh, that may be a better way to look at it. They are gifts to the church, but they are offices that Christ has given to the church, the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints to go out and do the work and go out and live it. And then last week, Al shared on some additional parts of the body, some additional giftings that are available to the body of Christ for us, to help us, because God has given each of us giftings. And, and he doesn't just give us a gift so we can sit on them or so that we can impress people. He gives us gifts to help one another. Two weeks ago, I talked about the direct connection between the body of Christ operating in unity and truly loving each other with genuine love. After Paul teaches on these gifts in chapter 12, he says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. What are the gifts for? To help us, to help one another. And he goes on to say, But let me show you a way of life that's best of all. 
So Paul is not minimizing or negating the gifts. He's saying, but there's, there's something else that I want you to get that's best of all. The gifts are important, but Paul is unpacking something in chapter 13 that is the basis for all the gifts. My wife told me that her and her siblings, when they were younger, they would take the Oreo cookies, they would break them apart, and they would eat out the, the center part. And then they would put them back together. And my father-in-law would go to get an Oreo, and it's like just chocolate cookie with none of the good stuff in the middle. And I think that's what Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. He's talking about the gifts in chapter 12. He's talking about the gifts and the application of those gifts in chapter 14. But in chapter 13, it's the good stuff. He's talking about love. It's the love chapter in chapter 13. And so it's, it's important that we not miss this. And Paul is saying, hey, let me pause here for a moment. We're talking about the gifts, but let me show you a way of life that's even better. And so today's message is love rules. It's the basis for all the gifts. It's the basis for God creating us. Why did God create us? Because he wanted a family. He wanted a human family. And he didn't make us like robots. He gave us free will that we could have this relationship. And why did Jesus come to the cross and die for our sins? For love for us to restore the broken relationship that happened when Adam and Eve sinned and passed down to all, all humanity. So let's, uh, I want to read before I jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to read my favorite scripture, I think, in the whole Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And when you think about it, it's impossible. The word says it's impossible to please God without faith. We have this relationship with God through faith, right? We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works. And we know that this is a life of faith, this relationship that we have with the Lord is based on, on faith, really. Because I don't, I don't know anyone here that's seen, had a, a physical manifestation of Jesus. I know people that ha have had that happen. And we have the Holy Spirit who is speaking to us and leading us and guiding us. But this relationship is really based on faith. We have faith that our sins are forgiven. We have faith that we will live for all of eternity. With, with the Lord, those of us who have accepted him. So faith is vital to this relationship, but so is hope. Where would we be without any hope? <laughs> Look at the world today. Where is the world today? Many of them are hopeless. They have no hope because they have no Jesus. And Paul is saying faith is, is critical. Hope is critical. But the most important part is love. That is the glue that holds this whole thing together. Have you ever considered that love is a gift? I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, I hadn't really considered that love is a gift. But my first point is this, this morning is love is a gift. You can give it. You can receive it. And I've been in situations where I'm having a conversation with someone or maybe at a service or a meeting, 
And the love of God is so strong. It is undeniable. It is tangible that you can feel God's love in that space. And I'm not talking about some kind of sexual or sensual kind of love. I'm talking about this pure love where God is present and there's just this connection, this love connection. And I know some of you have felt that too. That is powerful. But that shouldn't be the exception. We should be walking in that kind of love with one another, especially as the body of Christ. And I guess that's one of the things I love most about this this church is the love. I love the love. None of us are perfect, but we love one another. It's genuine. It's authentic. If there's one thing I cannot stand, it's fake people. Oh, I love you. Yeah, you just stabbed me in the back, and and now you're coming up and telling me you love me? That doesn't work for me. I don't play that game. But if we really loved one another, I think our lives would be different. I think the lives of the people around us would be different. Even if they don't like us, they cannot deny the love of God in us that's pouring out. And they can receive it, or they can reject it. But it doesn't change our heart because we are filled with this love. That's what Paul's talking about. So love is a gift. You can give it. You can receive it. You know, some people have a hard time receiving it because maybe they've been so wounded. True, genuine love requires vulnerability. Have you ever been hurt? Of course you've been hurt. Is it worth the risk? Oh, well, I don't know if I want to love anybody like that again because I got hurt. It's worth the risk. You're worth it, baby. (laughs) But think about the relationships that we have that are genuine and authentic, and it's required a risking out. I've had a bad steak, but I'm not going to quit eating steak. I've had people hurt me deeply, but I'm not going to quit loving people because something happened. Related to spiritual gifts, love is the best gift and the foundation for all the spiritual gifts. So we're talking about, in this series, we're talking about the spiritual gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. But love is the foundation and the basis for all the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of the angels but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I know people that they say they're Christians, but they're brash and they're loud and they're boisterous and they're frankly irritating. And I don't see the love of God in their life. Maybe you know people like that. But if if we have all these gifts... And if we have all these skills and we have all this stuff, but we don't have love, we have missed it. Verse 2 goes on, If I had the gift of prophecy and understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, that would be supernatural that God would allow us to speak prophetically like we see happening today, like we saw powerfully in India God was moving powerfully. 
And if we understood all of God's secret plans, possessed all knowledge, Paul is talking about us moving in the power and the authority and the dominion and the love of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Satan has strategies? What did Jesus say in John 10.10? You know the scripture. Jesus said the thief has come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you would have abundant life. And you know people probably that the enemy is taking out. I can think of people that the, the enemy is destroying their lives through alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it may be. And it breaks my heart. I can only imagine how the Lord feels if my heart is broken because I care for these people. And I see their life being destroyed. I see their marriages being destroyed. I see their, their children being destroyed. Trying to patch their, their, their parents' marriage together like they can do something about it. And taking on the guilt and the shame and, and wondering what their part in this broken marriage is when it's not their fault. The enemy doesn't take prisoners. He goes for the headshot to kill, steal, and destroy lives. This is a serious thing. Because we're talking about not just life on this earth, not just our marriage and our home and things like that, but we're talking about for all of eternity. Satan has strategies. So does God. And one of the greatest tools that we have is love. You are one of God's greatest strategies against the enemy. Let me say that again. You are one of God's greatest strategies against the enemy. Because we have the Holy Spirit. And he leads us and guides us in ministering to people. He gives us gifts. Why does he give us the gifts? To help one another. It's not so someone can say, oh, look at me, I've got this gift. Or use it for personal gain. So that we can help one another. Because the gifts come from him. He doesn't take away the giftings. The word says that he doesn't remove the gifts, but he can remove the anointing. (laughs) And that's the important part of the gifting, is the anointing that we're flowing in the anointing of God, that he is blessing the gifts that he's given us so that we can help one another. 1 Corinthians, let me go back to slide 8. If I had the gift of prophecy and understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but did not love others, I would be nothing. Sometimes, I think the church, I think people put so much emphasis on the gifts. And and hear me, the gifts are, are valid, they're important, they're needed, they're a blessing from God. 
But have we missed the basis for the gifts when it's all about love? Has it become all about the gifts? And have we, have we forgotten the important thing? Have we, have we taken out the creamy stuff between the, the two chocolate Oreo cookies? Oh, we don't need that. We just need the gifts. We need the gift of love. All of these things can demonstrate the power of the Lord moving in our life. But they are secondary to love. I want you to pray this prayer. I know we prayed this prayer a couple of weeks ago, but I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus. Come on, say it again. Dear Jesus. I ask you to help me love others. In the same way that you love them and you love me. Amen. Listen, I'm telling you that when we pray that prayer sincerely, God does something in our hearts. And God will give us that kind of love that is supernatural. Even when we don't like someone. God will help us to love them. That sounds like an oxymoron, and maybe it is. But here's the thing. You know, we can love people that are unlovable. Have we ever been unlovable? When God looks down a holy and pure and righteous God, and He sees people that are living in sin and filth compared to holiness... Okay? We don't, I don't think we really understand what holiness is because we've never been there, really. We live in a world that, that has sin and destruction and death and all of these things. Now, we can live holy lives. We can live holy and righteous lives by abstaining from the things of the world, Right? But I don't, I don't think that we'll understand true Pure holiness till we get to heaven and are in God's presence. The angels are around the throne singing, singing holy, 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 24-7. Because I think they're seeing elements of God, holiness of God, and it's breathtaking. Love is a gift. You can give it. You can receive it. My second point is love is the best gift. You know, it's like the saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can quote scripture all day long. You can preach the best sermons. You can speak with the tongues of angels. You can prophesy. You can do all these things. But if you don't have love, it's like a, a gong or a, a banging cymbal. It's like an irritating fly buzzing around your head. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, and they ask him about being married. They said, well, when we go to heaven, you know, this guy married uh, this lady, and he died. And then this guy, the, his brother married this lady, and then he died. And then his other brother married this lady, and, you know, going off onto all this legal stuff. And, and he's, Jesus is saying, he tells them that in heaven, we won't be married. Are you going to be nice to me in heaven? 
I can't imagine what I can't imagine life without her. You know, I you know, and when we get to heaven, I'm like, well, hey, I want to hang out with you. <laughs> and so, Jesus is addressing some things that the religious leaders and people don't don't really get. They don't have a concept of. But let's look at Matthew, I mean Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. And he realized that Jesus had answered well. Okay, so this is a religious leader. This is probably a scholar who knew the Old Testament, who knew the Scriptures. And he's, he's standing there listening to the debate. And, and he's, I can imagine he's kind of like, oh, wow, Jesus. You did pretty good with that. That was a good answer. Not knowing that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus is God. Uh, some of you have heard this before, but it's kind of like the guy that uh, went up to Webster who wrote the dictionary, and he said, Hey, Mr. Webster, did you know that sugar is the only word that's spelled S-U but pronounced S-H? Sugar, but it's spelled S-U. And Webster says, hmm, are you sure? So can you imagine trying to debate with Jesus? He is the Word. John chapter 1, I'm not going to read this, but if you haven't read it in a while, go back and read it. We talked, we sang this morning about God, Spirit, Son, Uncreated One. Jesus was uncreated because he was always in the beginning. That's a concept I have a hard time grasping that God always was. Well, wait, he had to start somewhere. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He's talking about in the beginning, whenever that was. And he goes on to say, the, John goes on to write in the Gospel of John that everything was created by him. Speaking of the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Everything was created by him and through him and for him. And he gave life, again, who's he speaking of? The subject is the Word. And he gave life to everything that was created and he gave light and then you look, excuse me, in verse 14, and he says, And the Word became flesh, human, and dwelled among us. Who's he talking about? Clearly, he's talking about Jesus, and he said, He is God's Son. So it's very clear who the Word is. So, this guy, this religious leader is saying, Wow, that's a good answer, Jesus. Not understanding that Jesus is the Word. You know, the Bible talks about line upon line, precept upon precept. Have you ever seen, you know, I mean, we see things maybe in, in one dimension or two dimension. And imagine that the Scripture is multifaceted. It's multidimensional. It doesn't, each layer that you can go down doesn't negate the other layer. It's just a broader perspective and a deeper understanding of the Word of God. Um, let me go ahead and give you my, my third point. <clears throat> Love can change the world. Okay, so uh, 
Let me go back to slide number 13. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is is this. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And when when we go back and look at the problems that Israel had, um, I would say the majority of the time it was because they turned away from God. When they went to the promised land, the Lord told them, don't marry, intermarry with these other tribes because they worship these pagan gods and you're going to get sucked into their religion and you're going to forget the one true God. You're going to forget God. And you want, you know, I think the biggest problem that we have in America is not political, it's spiritual because we have, we're taking God out of society. We're taking God out of the church. We're taking God out of our marriages. We're taking God out of our lives. Some of us. And, and the results of that are devastating. Look at what's happening in America. But it's not just happening in America. It's happening across the globe. When we begin to dilute and we begin to compromise and we begin to try to incorporate other gods or other things into this relationship, it does not work. So he asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus said, the most important commandment is this. And he says, listen, Israel. Listen, you need to get this. And this was written 2,000 years ago. It's applicable to us. Listen, Life Fellowship. Listen, Christian believers. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Remember the Ten Commandments? What's the first commandment? To worship no other gods. To love the Lord your God and, and have no other gods before you. Okay, so maybe some people worship, well, not maybe, some people worship pagan gods. Some people worship money. Maybe you worship your children, your grandchildren. Anything that we esteem higher than God is an idol. Worship no other God but me. And so Jesus replies, he says, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Okay, that is the first. That's the greatest commandment right there. But he says, he goes on to say, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. So what's he talking about? He's not talking about just some faraway God that is distant, that is cold and callous. He's talking about having a relationship. And he says, you must, you must. It's not optional. When we have a relationship, we need to be all in. Because this is what some people do. Well, I'm, I'm in right now. Or, well, I'm, I'm in a little bit. What, is, what does the Lord say? Look, be hot or cold. But if you are lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You must love the Lord your God. Um, and, and, you know, we see, I know Pastor Christine's teaching in, in uh, Daniel right now. And you see how uh, when God would move on the children of Israel, uh, the, the three Hebrew slaves, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's their Hebrew names, that we don't really use that much. We use 
the other the Babylonian names. But anyway, when we see that they were thrown into the fire, and uh, and and the and Nebuchadnezzar looked in, and and there were the three guys that they had just thrown into the fire, and they and he says, look, there's there's a fourth person in there. Jesus was with them, and then they bring them out, and and they don't even smell like smoke. Their hair is not singed. The, the guys that threw them in died because the fire was so hot, and these guys are in, the, in, in this thing running around, and they don't even get burned. And, and he says, look, the, you know, uh, anybody that, that curses their God is in trouble. He recognized the power of their God, but, it, oh, that's not my God. That's their God. And, and I think we see people like that today that it's like, well, I pray to God, but he's not really my God. He may be your God or their God. And, and Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. You must have a relationship with him. This Greek word for love is ahapao. Uh, uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, which means strong affection and loyalty for someone. That's the word that Jesus uses. That we're to have that kind of deep affection for God. So you must love the Lord with strong affection and loyalty with all your heart. The Greek word for heart is cardia. It's where we get our word cardio from. And uh, our heart is the most important organ in our body. Because if, if you lose a leg, you can still live. Might have to limp around a little bit, but you can still live, right? If you don't have any brain activity, you can still be alive. You can still be kept alive on a ventilator or something like that. But if you don't have a heartbeat, I hope you know Jesus. Because it's all over. And, and we've heard things like, uh, he, he put his heart into it. He gave it all he had. Talking of, what is that talking about? He didn't take his heart out and put it in there. He's talking about efforts. Or she poured her heart out. She was vulnerable. She was honest. She was open. So we're talking about emotions. So that's, that's what we're talking about, our heart. We're not talking about, obviously, our physical heart. But we're talking about relating to what's internal in our, in our, uh, in our mind, in our heart, our passions and, and our emotions. So he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. This word for soul is sihi. It means life, breath, mind, will, passions, emotions, desires. So we have to... To love the, we're, we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. My heart is connected to my wife. I mean, I love you guys too, but not on the same level that I love her. And so do we have that kind of love for the Lord that we really love Him above all else? And he goes on to say all your mind, your thought processes, your thinking, your understanding, your inclinations. You know, we, we think about the things that we value most. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> what, do you, what do you spend your day thinking about? For me, um, I think I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the Lord. 
I spend time thinking about my wife. You know who I spend a lot of time thinking about? You. I spend a lot of time thinking about the ministry. How, how can we be more effective in training and equipping believers to live this abundant life that Jesus came to give us? How, how can we use our resources? How can we reach others? more effectively. I, I spend time thinking about our, our future plans. I go out to the property almost every day, and I'm praying, I'm praying for us. I'm praying the Lord will provide the resources to build this building. You know that we meet on Wednesdays, typically every Wednesday at 10 o'clock and pray for the community, and we're praying to see God move and power praying for one another. We're praying for your needs. The prayer line, 832-864-2802. Another way to know what you really value is look at your checkbook. (laughs) Oops, I stepped into it now. Are we we returning the first 10% of our increase back to him? What are we spending our money on? Are we investing in the kingdom of God at minimal what belongs to him? Many of us are doing more. Um, you know, I have, I, I have a few stocks that I've purchased. <clears throat> I just purchased some stock the other day. And, uh, you know, before I purchased that stock, I didn't care what the stock price was. I never even looked at it. But the stock that I do have, now I go back and pretty much every day I look at it just to see where it's at. I'm not going to make any changes unless the Lord directs me to. But I'll pray, and, I, and I get, I get, I'll get these impressions from the Lord, like, I want you to buy, buy the stock. You would think, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. But you know, God loves us every element of our life. The Holy Spirit will tell us of things to come. The Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us into all truth. And, and so the, the things that are valuable to us are the things that we're going to be thinking about. Mark 12, 30 continues, And love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your power, all your might, your strength, your energy, and your time. This is not a Sunday morning exercise from 10 to eleven fifteen, and then we're done for the week. This is a continual, lifelong thing. And just like our relationships that we have that we value and we foster and we engage in and we enjoy should be the same with our Heavenly Father. Man, I'm telling you, I love going out to the property. I love going out there and just walking around, seeing how the Lord has blessed us, envisioning what He's going to do on that property. It can be 90 degrees out there, and you walk under the shade of some of those trees, the, the breeze is blowing. It's comfortable. And there are times, I'm telling you honestly, I'll say, okay, well, I need to, I need to leave. I need to go back home and work or whatever. And I'm like, I can't. I can't leave. I just need to stay here five more minutes. 
that we would have that kind of passion and desire and love for spending time with the Lord, that, that comes as we grow in this relationship. It's not a religious thing. It's a relational thing that we talk about every week. It's about this relationship with Him and with one another that matters. Jesus goes on to say, and the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. What if we really, really, really loved one another like we love ourselves? We're talking about love today. First Peter 1.22 says, as you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. I want to stop here for a moment. When we talk about the Word of God, when we talk about the Bible, the written Word, it's true. It is truth. You're reading in Proverbs every day, hopefully. (laughs) And so there's wisdom in the Word. The Word is to instruct us and to lead us and to guide us and help us live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So the written Word is true. It's truth. And we obey and honor and respect the written word. Back to John chapter 1. Who? Who is the word? The beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And everything was created by him and for him and through him. And his name is Jesus. So we respect the word. Okay, let me, let me shift, shift this. Who is the word? Jesus I think there's more depth to the scripture in 1 Peter. Uh, John, uh, in John 14, 6, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, I'm leaving. But he tells Thomas, Jesus told him, I, Jesus, I, Jesus, am the way. I, Jesus, am the truth. I, Jesus, are the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, I'm, I'm going to tie this together. You may say, where's he going with this? Jesus knows the way. Ha. Not only does he know the way, he is the way. Jesus knows the truth. He not only knows the truth, he is the truth. Jesus knows the life. He not only knows the life, he is the life. Jesus is truth. Let's go back to 1 Peter 1.22. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Oh, when I obeyed who? When I obeyed Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the word. Jesus is the word. The word is truth. Jesus is the truth. We obey the word and the truth. Let's read on. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. When you obeyed the word, when you obeyed Jesus, you were cleansed when you obeyed the truth. So now, oh, wait a minute. Wait, we're we're going deep now. Now you must. It's not optional. You must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply on occasion. 
as you feel like it, with some of your heart. Love each other deeply with all your heart. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, the gifts from the Holy Spirit. We're talking about God doing supernatural things through our lives. We're talking about loving one another in a supernatural way that's not natural for us, but we really love one another. John 13, 35, Jesus said, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So when people see us, And we say we're a Christian. How do we prove it? We shouldn't have to tell anybody. (laughs) They should say, hey, there's something different about you. I think you're a Christian because of the love that you have. Your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. So my first point is love is a gift. You can give it. You can choose to hold on to it. You can receive it. You can choose to reject it. And there will be people that, because of their woundedness, they can't receive love. But maybe if we keep praying for them and we keep loving them and we keep pressing through and yielding to the Lord and allowing Him to to work in their hearts and lives because We are part of the strategy that God has to defeat the enemy, to see people get saved and set free. And we are the the ones that should be leading by example. Love is a gift. You can give it. You can receive it. Love is the best gift. Love can change the world. We're called to be world changers, not because of anything that we do or because we're so wonderful or we're so talented or so good-looking or whatever, but because we have the Spirit of God residing in us that loves the world and wants to see everyone get saved, come into this relationship with the Lord, and we have something very dear and very valuable and very important to a lost and dying world, and His name is Jesus So what are you going to do? What is, what is the part in your life that maybe you need some correction? You need some direction change? You need the Lord to work out of your life or impart into your life? Hopefully there, there are things that you're thinking about. You're saying, Lord, I need to yield that area to you. But today, most importantly, let's pray that we be infused to overflowing with the love of Christ.